because I thought that he was going to kill me. That's what I thought in that moment was this is it. This is the end of me. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Santagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. Just want to uh, let anyone out there know that if you want to be a part of the show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can go to OPLshow.com or you can send us an email at OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and we want to give a big shout out to all the OPL patrons out there. Our patrons help support the show directly and they get weekly bonus behind the scenes episodes, access to our Discord chat to talk with uh, other listeners, previous guests, and get a bunch of other bonus episodes that don't appear on this main channel. So you can sign up at patreon.com slash OPL show to become a patron and support the show. So on to today's episode, Uh, we'll be speaking with a brave woman about, honestly, a a pretty terrifying subject, a subject that is often used as, you know, sort of a Hollywood horror premise, I would say. And uh, we'll be talking about being stalked. And in this case, a woman being stalked by a man. And it's sort of chilling escalation over time and how it got to a pretty extreme point, I would say. So we've got our guests on the line and thanks for being on today. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So I think with a, a story like this, it would help to start at the beginning in terms of how did you first begin to notice this particular man's you know, presence in your life? Well, when I was 19, I was working at a grocery store as a cashier. And whenever you work in that type of job, you kind of notice the same people that come to your line every day or some people come every week. Well, I noticed that he was coming through my line very often and he was just a normal customer. There was really nothing that stood out about him. He was just kind of a face that I saw that was coming through pretty often. So at what point does that become strange then? Because that's an interesting kind of environment because you you are used to seeing the same people all the time because it's, I guess, locals, you would assume. So how does it get to a point where it's like, okay, there's something more about this guy's presence that uh, is a little bit concerning? It's, I started to realize that I was seeing him other places than my work. Um, I had moved to a new city for college at this time, and I was working in my college town, and it was not a small town, but I realized I was seeing him at the gas station, I would see him at restaurants when I was there with friends, he would be at the mall when I'm shopping, he was at the gym whenever I was there, and sometimes he would just be in the parking lot at these places in a car. And I noticed he was never very far away whenever I saw him. He never approached me, never really stared at me. And he didn't really make it awkward, but it was weird to see the same face over and over again in this big town. Yeah, that comes off as sort of threatening in a way. And I I mean, you know, I was just going to ask if he ever said anything to you, but I assume that when he's coming to your line, you know, working at the grocery store, there had to have been some sort of interaction. Was that just super normal? It was a super normal interaction. It would just be mostly talking on my end. The grocery store I worked at, we had to talk to the customers. It was kind of a requirement. So it was always just, hi, how's your day? Did you find everything okay? 
do you need anything else? Is this a, this it? And he just always had such short, blunt answers. And he never gave off this like menacing, like he never seemed weird. I don't know. He seemed very normal, very nonchalant. But even if other cashiers lines were open and there was like nobody in their line, he would wait in my line every single time. I could have five or six customers in my line and he would wait to check out. And he also only ever had like one or two items. He never had a full basket basket like you would do at a grocery store. It was always just a soda or a candy bar or a bag of chips. It was always just one or two items. That's, I mean, I got chills when you like literally listed all the places that you saw him because that's just, at some point it's too many places for this to be a coincidence, right? So how do you kind of come to terms with like, I guess the red flags that were maybe going off in your head or were there not any, did you just kind of try to brush it aside as like, this is a strange coincidence or did you actually start to get worried? I was worried about it, but I, I just pushed it under the rug. Honestly, like I would see him and I would be like him again. He's really here. This is so weird, but I always pushed it out of my mind and I never thought about it any longer like once i left the place and i i didn't see him anymore it it went out of my mind it wasn't something that was constantly playing on my mind no i guess it would probably be a lot of people's tendency to just i guess try to brush that aside uh because that's a it's a scary reality i guess to let that start to sink in right like there's here's a strange person that is now at this point following me right like if it's that many places he has to be like tracking your movements like did you did you tell anyone at this point or or like you said before you were kind of I guess isolated in this new town and didn't really know anyone yeah I don't I don't believe I ever told anyone about it I know I did not tell my family or any of my friends back in my hometown I might have mentioned it to another cashier being like hey can you ask that guy to come to your line or can you do this and he they would ask him you want to come to my line I can check you out there's there's no other customers here in my line and he would always refuse he would always say that he was just gonna stand and wait in my line so uh, at what point did you start to feel like okay I am seeing this guy in too many places this is too uh, you know this isn't a coincidence anymore. This man is following me. Like, did you, was there a moment where you were like, enough is enough? Like, I'm, you know, I'm reporting this. Yes. Um, I never, I did not report anything at that time to the police. Um, but I do remember one time when we were at the gas station, he was behind me in line um, when I was getting some foods, a drink, and some chips. And he was standing really close to me in line. And this was before Corona and everything. So at that time, it wasn't weird for people to stand too close to you in line. But when it's somebody that you've seen multiple times at different places, and they're never very far away from you, that's when it hit me that something's going on here, that he's 
he's too close to me right now. Yeah, that is really strange. And it's like, it's probably just a tough position to be in because uh, like, I guess with stalking, it's like, well, this person hasn't technically done anything to me, but I'm extremely uncomfortable right now. Yes, and that's how I felt. I was like, this guy has never made inappropriate comments to me. He's never touched me. He has never done anything to me. He's never even tried to really have a real conversation with me. But it was, at that point, it was like menacing. It what He had this, I don't know, this his demeanor had just changed from whenever I first started seeing him to the incident at the gas station where he was too close to me. It was a different, I don't know, like his, I hate this word, but his vibes were different. Like he just gave off this menacing vibe. I knew in my mind something wasn't right, but he had never actually done anything wrong. Yeah, that's a weird situation to be in. So at what point then does it escalate even more where, you know, does he, does he kind of end up taking it a step further? Not until the weekend that I went back to my hometown for my nephew's baptism. Um, I had off work from Friday and then I was off all weekend until the following Monday. So I left that Friday morning, drove back to my hometown the two and a half hours, stayed the whole weekend, and I came back um, that following Monday in the evening. And that's when things really escalated. How did they escalate? Well, like I said, I had driven back to my apartment in the college town um, that Monday evening and I opened, I unlocked my apartment door. It was locked because uh, I know, I remember vividly unlocking the door, hearing the lock turn. And I walked into my apartment and I went to my bedroom to put my bags down, uh, my, my duffel bag that I had. And he was in my apartment. He was sitting on my bed um, and I did not know what to do. It, it, whenever you return to your home, to the place that you feel safe and that is your own, because I lived alone in this apartment. I didn't have a roommate. I didn't have anybody. I didn't know any of my neighbors. Um, so I did not expect to see anybody there. And what did he say? He w- <sighs> this is the thing that was just crazy to me all he said to me like whenever I walked in and he saw me was I want to talk he said I want to talk and at that moment you think like whenever you're in this type of situation people think oh I would start fighting this guy I would run out of my apartment and like as soon as it happened and all I did was I stood there and I said you're not supposed to be here He got up and started to walk towards me. So I ran to my kitchen, like I dropped my bags and I ran to my kitchen and so many things were going through my mind. I was thinking, should I get a knife? 
what should I do? Like, I didn't have any weapons of my own at this apartment. So I thought, should I get a knife? What should I do? Like, what's he, what is he going to do to me? Because I thought that he was going to kill me. That's what I thought in that moment was, this is it. This is the end of me. I mean, nobody's going to find me because um, I didn't talk to my parents that often. That weekend that I had just been at their house, that was the first time I talked to them in about two months. And I didn't have any friends that lived in this town. I didn't know any of my neighbors. My neighbors were hardly ever home. So even if I did scream or I did yell for help, I didn't think anybody would hear me. And when I was in the kitchen, I was standing there and I, I basically just froze. People talk about um, people having like a flight or fight response. Mm -hmm. I really didn't have any of that. I just kind of froze there because I think about it now and I, sh I don't know why I ran to my kitchen. I could have ran out the door, but I, I was in my kitchen and he came, he was coming up to me. Like he wasn't running after me. He was walking just towards me. And, um, he just kept saying, I need to talk to you. I really want to talk to you. We need to work things out. And that's what really took me aback was whenever he said, we need to work things out because there was nothing to work out. I had never talked to this man other than at the grocery store. And it's like, what is there to work out? There's nothing here. And I, I don't know. And at that point, he was just walking up to me and he grabbed my arm and he w started to like shake me. And he was saying, I, I need to talk to you. I really want to talk. I really, really want to talk to you. I pushed him and I ran out of my apartment. And I ran out of my apartment, started going towards the leasing office of the apartment complex. And it was closed. Um, I went and I tried to open the door, um, but this was after five o'clock. So they had already closed up for the day. And I had went around back the leasing of the leasing office, hoping he wouldn't follow me. And I called 911 at that point. And I had told them, I said, there's some man in my apartment. Um, he broke into my apartment basically I need somebody to come help me. And by the time the police had gotten there, he had already left. He had um, somehow got out of my apartment. I never saw him leave my apartment, but I wasn't watching it the whole time. I was on the phone with um, 911 and the police got there and they were searching my apartment um because they thought maybe he was still in there at that point and i went in there as well to see if anything was taken or if he destroyed anything and the police were asking me you know when how long have you been here um when was the last time you were at your apartment i told them it was on friday well they started noticing that there was some water uh, like in the shower or in the bathtub there was wet towels 
hanging up to dry. There was some food, like freshly eaten food in the trash can. Um, my bed was all like the covers were all torn up basically. And I always make my bed every morning. I make my bed and I know that I had made it, um, that Friday that I had left to go to my nephew's baptism. So this guy had been staying in my apartment waiting for me. Oh my God. Like basically over the, the whole time you were away, he was like living, like using it as his own apartment potentially. Yes. Like we don't, it potentially he was there from the Friday that I left until I returned. We don't know exactly how long he was there, but I know he was taking a shower in my shower, using my towels, eating my food out of the fridge, sleeping in my bed. And he was, he was just so comfortable in there. It's so weird because he had all this time for his head to clear. Like, you would think that in that time that he was there, that he would think this isn't a good idea. I shouldn't be here. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're thinking clearly in the first place, but it doesn't seem like it. That's such like a violation too. to like, like you mentioned before, like stepping into your home, which is kind of that moment of, you know, it's it's almost like that sigh of relief. You kind of shed whatever work version of you travel version of you whatever it may be and it's like okay back in my kind of comfort zone and then to have that violated and then to find out that it was being violated over time is uh really strange like i yeah i can't imagine that feeling i think like from a listener's perspective and kind of like i said in the beginning like the kind of use of this like narrative in hollywood for kind of like a horror thriller aspect because it's just it's so discomforting um because it's like a weird slow like kind of loss of control where this person is just uh, appearing more and then to this point in your place um i can't imagine and like the, i think the scary thing is this you know probably happens more than we realize to a lot of people to a lot of women uh, especially and it's like that strange feeling of of hopelessness throughout i'm sure um but did you like were you ever able to find out who this guy was or what he wanted or did the police ever find him or is it still a mystery to this day oh no so i actually knew what his name was because before this like during the time that i was noticing that he was in places in public where i was he had sent me Facebook requests, friend requests on Facebook. And I knew who he was because of course I looked at his profile picture and I remember I got one of the requests and I thought I need to take a screenshot of this. So I took a screenshot of his profile and then I declined the request because I, I always declined them. Um, and whenever he was in my apartment, I recognized him and I told the cops, I said, I know who he is. I know his name. So I showed them the screenshot and they, I don't know what they did. They looked him up somehow and I gave them a description and they found him in their system somehow. And they said he lives at, in a town almost three hours away from here. Said his residence is three hours north of the town I was in. 
So they're saying that he was driving three hours to come, like, you know, be in your grocery line and see you at the gym and everything else, just kind of follow you around? That is what I know of so far. Um, They said that he had never, like, his address hadn't changed recently. There was nothing to link him to the town that I was in. And I was living in a college town, so who knows if he came to this town looking for somebody to, like, attack or stalk or do something to if he was looking for a victim and I just happened to be the one. Because they could not link him to that town. He didn't have any family members or anything. He had no reason to be there. Did they ever, like, catch this guy, or did, you know, did anything, like, legal ever happen with this? So, I filed a police report against him, and I wanted to get a restraining order, but everything happened so fast. Um, As soon as that happened, I wanted out of that apartment. I didn't want to be anywhere that he knew where I was going to be at because he had left whenever the police had gotten there. So they were not able to apprehend him. The next day, it was a Tuesday. I was calling the leasing office. I was going up to the leasing office of the apartment complex and saying, I have to leave. I cannot live in this apartment anymore. And basically they told me that their hands were tied because I had signed a 12 month lease. Um, for this apartment. And I had only been in this apartment for three months at that point. So they said, you can either pay out your lease. So pay nine months of rent and move out. Or I was, I just had to stay there. So I was trying everything. And I was a college student that didn't have any family support. I worked at a grocery store. I didn't have the money to pay nine months of rent for a place that I wasn't living. I tried to contact the police for to get the restraining order and everything, and they basically just blew me off every time. They really didn't want to help me. They said that he hadn't attacked me. And basically that if I wanted to do something, They said that I had to go to the police department where he was from, three hours away. And I knew that wasn't right because this incident had happened in my, in the town I lived in. So I don't know why they were telling me I had to go to his police department to have him arrested. So there was then no, like to this day then, you, it seems like you just kind of got like law enforcement run around and like nothing was ever officially filed and exactly the only thing that had been like on record was the police report Mm -hmm. um and that actually came out to help me because um the apartment leasing office wasn't trying to help me but then i got in contact with the i think it was like the general manager of the apartments um and she said well Um, in the state that I live in, in Texas, there are only very few ways to legally get out of a lease for like a rent house or an apartment. And one is being a victim of sexual assault, domestic violence, or stalking. 
And that police report, I took it and I took it to the general manager and she said that is enough information to get out of your lease. Mm, that's so, good. Yes. And even even if it wasn't a restraining order, just the police report was enough. So I always tell people if something like this happens to you, if someone is unwanted in your apartment, if they break into your apartment, it doesn't matter who it is. If they forcefully come in to your apartment, make a police report hmm. because that can legally help you. You don't even have to press charges against them if you really don't want to just having that police report can help you. Yeah, that's good practical advice for sure in that in that situation. Uh, I'm really curious, you know, just just hearing this and like I mentioned before, it's like just kind of a sense of like helplessness as this is happening to you and there's kind of like no rhyme or reason and I'm sure there's so many thoughts of like why me and and who is this person and is there actually any connection in our past or is this truly just all random and just like a sick individual who is bit who just targeted me uh what like as this kind of all ends and you're able to you know move out of your apartment and kind of get away from that situation uh even though unfortunately like nothing happened to him um what's the like psychological impact that that has on you going forward Oh, I've struggled with that. Like, it's impacted me so much. And I think the main way that it has impacted me is how I am socially. Um, it's very hard for me to talk to new people. Um, if I don't know somebody, I will not start a conversation anymore. I am very short with my conversations with people and a lot of people think I'm a bitch because of it. And it's really because I have blamed my, I've kind of blamed myself for this situation. Cause I think, did I say something to this man to make him do this to me? Did I basically, did I do something to cause this? Um, did I say something to spark his obsession? And is that something that you've been able to kind of like get help with over time? Or is that, so is that a feeling that was kind of initially after all of this, but is that a feeling that you still have today or have you been able to kind of like push that aside and, and maybe see this person as just uh, like maybe what he was like a stalker or someone sick who takes joy in this i don't blame myself anymore but it still affects me because there's always something in the back of my mind what if i did cause it i know that he was probably mentally ill because no sane person would do that um he's just a sick individual just i think that he took joy in seeing me scared and seeing my reaction whenever I would see him out in public and knowing that he had enough power over me to break into my apartment and to invade my private area. So, I mean, 
you know, after this whole thing happens and, you, you know, you move out, I mean, it does, I mean, as you just said, it has, I'm assuming it has some, like, you know, some psychological, like, impact on you, and I can only imagine what that's like. Are, are you, you know, do you think that it will sort of dissipate over time and that you can finally get back to, you know, where you once were with, you know, being a little more personable or outgoing, or do you feel like this sort of experience sort of, uh, you know, scarred you for life, as they say? I don't want to be negative about it, but I don't think I'll be able to get back to the point where I was. Um, because, like, I haven't gone to therapy or anything for it. I probably should have, but I've gone to therapy whenever I was younger, and it didn't help. So I was really put off for going to therapy, and I just don't see it getting any better because it hasn't in the four years since it happened. So have you been able to, you know, form relationships or anything after, like either close friendships or romantic relationships? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I really haven't started any new relationships. I did move back um, with my parents. They did let me move back in with them after this happened. Um, so I, I have my old friends that... I had before I moved up to the college town. Um, and I did, I have a boyfriend now. We've been together for about two and a half years. And for some reason, he was somebody that I could really open up to. And I really haven't had any issue with communicating with him and forming a relationship with him. But a lot of his friends and a lot of his family have told him you know, she like basically saying that I'm a bitch and that that I think I'm better than everybody and which isn't true. It's just I can't open up to people. Yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate to hear that. And, you know, especially because this is something that I would assume is very personal to you and you don't necessarily like disclose this kind of story or information with everybody so they don't truly have an understanding of why you act uh, a certain way um so i mean i can only imagine how that kind of affects you aside from the actual like trauma that you have experienced from this uh sort of thing um but you know i'm happy to hear that you know you have a boyfriend you guys are on good you guys are communicating really well um but yeah, I mean, this is just a, a, a wild story. And I would, you know, usually when we do episodes uh, and we put them out, you know, people send us emails sort of like, you know, letting us know that it was like super relatable and, and you know, hearing about, you know, oh, this happened to me as well and this and that. You know, I'd be, I'd be interested in, in hearing about people's experiences that were similar to yours because I had never, you know, you hear of these things happening, but I don't know. Uh, of anyone who has it's actually happened to as far as like stalking or anyone personal like anyone close to me I've never actually heard that um, so I, I'd be you know interested to know like how often this sort of things happen because although it is a tricky thing because although you know this person is not technically not doing anything I mean you know I mean other than at the point where the man had broken to your you know apartment um, but just seeing the same person all the time, like eventually that would just cause some sort of social anxiety or just get me super afraid to even go out. I don't want to see this person. And it's a, it's a little threatening. 
Um, so it's very psychological and it's, you know, it's upsetting, um, to hear that, you know, people are going through this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. And y'all said at the beginning that it's kind of something that you hear about in Hollywood and it is like, I remember being younger and one of my biggest fears was somebody breaking into my house. And that, that has always been one of my biggest fears and my fear came true basically. And it's crazy because this guy was not your typical stalker. What you think about in media and what's portrayed in movies as a stalker, you think of some old creepy man that stands out in a crowd and he's just, just makes you really uneasy. This guy was like 21, really fit. He didn't stand out in a crowd. Like he didn't look like what you would expect a stalker, like this some creepy man would look like. Um, and since then, I've actually made an old, like a fake Facebook account. So I can go and I can look at his Facebook account and his family's Facebook account because I'm just paranoid. I always want to see if he's around my area. Like he, I don't believe that he knows where I live now, but I just, oh, I always have to look. It's like something I cannot keep myself from doing. And I've learned that he's actually a police officer now in his hometown. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's, that really scares me because I don't know if he has the power to like look people's personal information up. You know, if he really wanted to, I feel like he could find my address and he could find where I work. And cause I mean, I work for a state agency, so it's like he could probably figure out where I work at and it, it still really plays with my mind whenever I think about it. Yeah, it's, you know, what, what's scary too, I think just in general is how easy, especially nowadays, this is for people, especially, you know, so many people who don't think twice about putting themselves out there, their locations out there, potentially where they live. I mean, through social media, through technology, it's, it's not hard and, and stalking to a degree I'm sure happens, you know, even in a more lighthearted way of what's my ex doing now, which is, is still creepy when you think about it because you are kind of like tracing someone's steps, whereabouts, what they're doing without them seeing you do it um, down to, you know, a more sinister level too. And, uh, you know, I guess before we wrap, I, I think it would, I'm curious to hear from you, you know, anyone who, may have experienced this thinks they're experiencing it um or hopefully not the case but does end up seeing like red flags in in someone whether it's someone they know or someone they don't know um do you have any you know sort of advice to them about kind of how to handle that situation i would say to tell somebody um tell a coworker, tell a family member tell a friend and change up your routines. I think about what I did back then. Um, I had a very regular routine of things that I did. I went to the gym, same time every day. I would stop and get gas, 
same time every day or like whenever I needed gas, it was always at the same gas station. I did, I'm a creature of habit. So I would say change up your routine. Don't go to the gym the same time every day. Don't go shopping at the same stores that you always do. Change it up because stalkers, they kind of rely on you, on your routines. And if it's getting to the point where you feel threatened, tell the police, make a police report, even if they cannot legally, if this person has not injured you or approached you or threatened you, you can still make a report. They still have to take down that police report. They can't turn that away. They might not be able to arrest them or charge them with anything, but always make a report if you feel threatened because that's what saved me and got me out of that situation because who knows if I would have had to have stayed in that apartment, he could have came back. Yeah, and that's that's probably the scariest part when you think about it, like that, you know, this sort of thing could happen again, or you can be in a situation where you can't really escape it. But we really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us. We can only imagine how, like, difficult it is to sort of, you know, relive this sort of thing. And, and, and you know, we appreciate you telling the story. Um, I know, you know, before we hopped on the call, you had said that you felt like you wanted to tell a story because you wanted, you know, other people who may be going through this sort of thing to kind of learn from your experience so i you know we appreciate you coming on and and talking to us about everything oh yeah thanks for having me on i really appreciate it of course thank you and good luck with everything all right thank you all so much so before we get to our final thoughts we do have uh, a sponsor here today but it's actually something that me and greg created together it's this new game called pay the price it's a trivia party game uh, it is available on Kickstarter right now for pre-order, um, but you should go check it out. Uh, you can go to kickstarter.paythepricegame.com, or you can go on Kickstarter and just search for it, and you'll find Pay the Price right there. Uh, but we appreciate everyone has already supported it, and we just wanted to tell you guys about it if you haven't heard about it. Uh, but basically, it's a trivia party game, and uh, you know, the, basically the premise of the game is that you get a trivia question. If you get it wrong, then you also get a chance to redeem yourself by completing one of these crazy consequences that, you know, People are going to pull out their phones and maybe maybe record you doing some funny shit. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and we're super proud of it. We've been working uh, working on it for over a year. And, uh, yeah, it's really awesome. We really want you guys to uh, enjoy it, and we think you will. Uh, but, yeah, definitely go check it out. Pay the price. Uh, again, it's on Kickstarter, kickstarter.paythepricegame.com. Or you can just go to Kickstarter and type in pay the price, and you'll find it. There will be a video um, showing you gameplay, all the rules, and everything in depth. Um, but go check it out. Pay the price. Kickstarter. Thank you, guys. Honestly, that may have been one of the creepier, like, episodes we've ever done because of the... Cert like, <sighs> stalkers are weird, man. Like, because it's so... It's like a slow buildup to what feels like an inevitable, like exchange that could go terribly wrong that sometimes could end in like you hear in these netflix documentaries like fucking murder or you know whatever um and i never really like thought about it you know and maybe it's because i'm a, a guy and i think that may, i don't mean i don't know the fucking the statistics but i imagine it happens to women way more than it happens to men of seeing the same person all of the time i'd eventually feel like what the fuck is going on here 
you know what I mean? Or, or someone trying to get in contact with you or, you know, whatever. Like I get weirded out on Instagram when people like unfollow and refollow me all the time. You know what I mean? I'll be like, what the fuck? You know, and that's just like the bare minimum of it. Uh, but imagine going out and seeing these people in out in, like at the supermarket and like whatever. It's like, yo, are you following me? Like eventually you'd be like creeped out. Like I wouldn't want to yeah. leave my house. Well, it's threatening no matter what. It's not like loud and in your face, but it's like it's just the sense of control in a strange way. It's it's I have knowledge of you. Yeah. I'm a stranger that knows more about you than you know about me. I know where you're going to be. I'm going to be there. And I also have apparently the time on my hands to keep this going, to show right. up where you are, to drive to where you're driving, to follow you. Like that is yeah, it really hits a nerve. And, and like I said to her, like as a listener, it's just like, it's creepy. Like it, it's genuinely yeah. like chilling that people are out there doing that. Like sometimes, like you said, with uh, some very serious outcomes uh, or sometimes just that alone is still, like you're still a victim of stalking no matter what you know, if there's an outcome, if the person ends up breaking into your house, it doesn't matter. Like the psychological toll that that would take on you of just another human being and a stranger having that effect on you and having that con that control over you and just causing fear and constant fear. Because now even when they're not there, you're thinking about them, you're looking over your shoulder, are they going to pop up? Like it, I can see why, like for her, you know, to, to trust strangers again, and to form relationships, it must be difficult. And that, you know, was, was really sad to hear that that's the, the position that she's in, but hopefully being able to, you know, have, have more people kind of enter into her life that she can be comfortable with. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why it's so bad is because it's, it's not just when I see him, it's creepy. It's the possibility of, am I going to see him? It never leaves your mind because yeah. it's like this fucking threatening thing of like, what does this guy want from me? What is he doing? You know, and it, even you, if you stare at somebody, even not for a long time, but if you're at like some, a bar or something and you're staring and, or someone's staring at you, you'd be like, what is going on? You know, like, even if it was like twice, you caught them like a hard stare, you're going to be like, all right, should I walk over there and ask them like, what is up? Or like, you know, whatever. Now imagine this, pe this person just popping up in random places. You'd be like, dude, what the fuck? Like, it's, that's terrifying. Yeah. Well, it's like when you don't know someone's intentions, uh, because I mean, that, that's, that's the manipulation of it in a way too, is like now your mind is running wild and creating scenarios and creating worst case scenarios. And like really the more, yeah, the more you think about it, like the, the kind of toll that that would take and, and the games that you would play in your own head let alone like physically being worried about this person is just uh it's scary man it's that that's a lot to go through and um you know i, I looked up on the call this is from like 2016 but it says uh, 7.5 million americans are victims of stalking every year like Jesus. it's not you know again it's kind of one of those things that we probably don't stumble across a lot in our own lives or know people that it's happened to, but it's, this is happening. And it's so, like I said, like it's so easy for it to happen. And that's what's scary. Yeah. And like, in a way, like I'm not saying, I'm not relaying this to what she went through, but like we're all like victims of this in a sense. And we're also like perpetrators in a sense, you know, of, of now with social media technology, like being able to stalk, being able to, follow people and know you know people know 
a lot more about you in a moment than you think they know which right. is it's it's strange but now you take that power that that we have through social media like for me to even just know what you're doing when we're not talking you know right. obviously you're broadcasting it but still like now you put that power in the wrong hands and there's a lot of people in this country and in this world who clearly are going to misuse that and right. now it's just that much easier to take it to the next level to take it to the to to an extreme to track someone's movements and show up physically and like you know it's it's scary and it's like it it sucks for women too to like who are just going to feel even more powerless in that situation right uh you know what it, and i i guess that's just you know the, the the moral of the story you know to this episode is just kind of just really think about what you're putting on the internet or when you're putting them putting it out um even like i've just been aware of that you know if I'm at a certain place and like, I'll, I'll wait till I leave in order to post that I was like mm. there, you know what I mean? Just cause, just cause I, it, I would feel super weird if someone was like, Oh, I saw that you posted. So I came here. Then I'd be then like, that would make me feel like, what am I doing? Like I'm setting myself up because, and then to have the social anxiety of like, wait, don't post anything. you know what I mean? Like, so just wait until you're out of there. You don't have to like deal with, anything like that. It's also just nice knowing that people can't pinpoint exactly where you are. People who you don't want to know. You yeah. know what I mean? You can just kind of make it vague and whatever. So just really think about what you're doing, uh, you know, with your posts and like tagging locations of where you're at. Like just be careful with all that. Um, but yeah, we appreciate her coming on and, and telling her story for anyone out there. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, if you think that you have something that would uh, fit well for an episode, don't hesitate to reach out. Go to OPLshow.com or send us an email at OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, follow us on Instagram at OPL Podcast. Uh, if you want to support the show and get a bunch of bonus episodes and uh, join the Discord chat to speak with us, to speak with other listeners, previous guests, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash OPL show. And uh, subscribe, comment, do all that stuff. That's all we got. Yep, that is all. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.